0: Welcome
1: back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number one hundred and thirteen. It's Monday. We're here with another MMA weekend recap. Yeah, I am trying to uh, figure out a point over here. <laughs> I am never going to have to remember an episode number again because Dominic's got me in the background there. Yes, uh, but we're coming with you again for another MMA weekend recap. A lot to go over here. There were three big cards over the weekend: PFL, Bellator, UFC along with a couple big announcements to go over as well. But before we do, Dominic, how was your weekend? It's been an awfully rainy one up here in Bowling Green, Ohio. Is the same true for Carlisle?
0: It has been hot and sunny down here, my friend, Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. Um, Been, yeah, just kind of a chill weekend, truthfully, all day. watch fights Mm -hmm. on Saturday. Those day cards, I'm kind of on board with them. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was nice when the main event's over at 7.15. And then you have the rest of your evening. I don't know. It was kind of yeah. a nice change of pace. Uh, but, yeah, man, it was a good weekend. No rain, which was nice. Got to hang out with the family and all that. But uh, how was yours? Uh,
1: it was good. I am a proponent, or I guess uh, I do enjoy the occasional early card. However, I don't want to ever see it become the norm because at the end of the day, like this 4 o'clock start time, it's cutting right into, like – Your porch drinking. Well, yes, but I just mean, like, <laughs> You know that's like your day right there. Oh, uh, It's like it's like working uh, second shift, right? Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to work second shift. Nobody wants to work three p.m. to eleven p.m. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, watching fights is a lot better than working. <laughs> but my point is that if I want to like go out to eat or meet some friends out or something, like it makes it a little harder. Yeah, true. When you got the fights that you need to be keeping a close eye on. However, just one was, sprinkled in
0: every now and again.
1: However, I was sports drinking, so I had the fights pulled up on my phone. And you know what? I think I had a great time just watching them that way. So weekend was good. Besides that, I had a completely lazy day today. <laughs> yeah, I slept, same, I slept a lot today. So um, well-rested going in here. And we're going to start with our fight announcements, Dom. Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. And it's
1: going to be brief because we only got one. But it's a big one, noteworthy one, in the men's bantamweight division. Rafael Sun is unfortunately out of his scheduled bout on July 24th with Kyler Phillips. However, not all is lost. True. Kyler Phillips does have a late replacement opponent, that being flyweight contender Raleigh and Piva,
0: Who just fought kind of recently, too.
1: Well, actually, I think his last uh, – I think he just had to drop out of a card recently.
0: Oh, okay. Because
1: okay. his last fight – because I thought the same thing. Yeah. I said, was he the guy – I was like, was he the one that fought like on – Two sixty-two
0: or something. Yeah, we broke him down on one of our episodes. Yeah, but
1: he but he was in that one of those fights where he had the draw. I don't know if it was because of him or his opponent. I didn't I didn't look into it far enough. But his last fight was a win over uh, Zalgas Zab- Mugalov, I think is how you pronounce it. At UFC two fifty-one. But that was about where he missed weight by four mm-hmm. pounds. So it's looking like maybe this is a permanent move for him here to one thirty-five. If so, I'm not upset at it. He went two and two at a flyweight, and then also had a win on a contender series Brazil. So a guy with the he's a good test for Kyler Phillips here. i yeah. test him in you know Kyler Phillips' nickname Matrix. The guy's very smooth on the feet, uh, but Paiva, the Brazilian, he's going to have that jujitsu just incredible. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if uh, Phillips can pass another test here. Not quite the test in a Sun Sal in my opinion, but still a solid opponent.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And for uh, Pi, a way to make some waves in his new weight class mm-hmm. potentially. I mean, Kyler's number 14 in the division. He's 9-1, just had that awesome fight. Uh, was it in March, I believe, or April? I think it was Song Yedong or Betty fought.
1: Yeah, that was uh, UFC 259. That would have yeah, been 59. like March, first week of March.
0: Yeah, so he was coming off of that great performance, put him into the rankings. So a good test for him here. Not the hugest name compared to Sun Sal. He was wanting to catapult into the top 10, but short notice, tough opponent here in Paiva should be a fun fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really all we have to really say about it. We'll just see if Paiva really can – I mean, this is a lot to ask for. July 24th, it's coming up quick. Yeah. He's, he is going to have be coming in on short notice. Hopefully he makes weight fine. He should, considering he's moving up a weight class, but you never know. These, guys, these flyweights are cutting so much weight, it seems like, sometimes.
0: Yeah, and if he were to get a big win like that – even if it's not in his plans to stay there permanently, you're going to crack the top fifteen. Maybe you should consider it. So yeah, I mean, we'll at see. that
1: point, maybe your maybe yeah. your plans change there. You know, but uh, that's going to be all for our fight announcements. Now we we we're going to follow up on a story that we we brought to you on Friday yeah. about Fedor Milyanenko who's making his return in October. But we got more, I guess, word on what those plans involve. Bellator yeah. 269 gets its venue is the headline here. Pretty simple. Uh, it's taking place on October twenty third, twenty twenty one, at VTB Arena in Moscow, Russia. Dom, first time ever for Bellator in Russia. Yeah, and you know this, Emelianenko, probably the most famous fighter to come from oh, yeah. Russia. If not, I mean, it's Habib's considered to... Russian. It, it's it's yeah.
0: Habib Fedor, and then there's a long yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, obviously that's their headliner, but we still don't have. An official opponent yet. However, we do have some names. Scott Coker himself
0: yeah, has, uh, out. given
1: us names saying he's been talking to Josh Barnett. Love it. Alistair Overeem. Love it. And Junior Dos Santos. Love it. I mean, you three legends. Two, two former UFC heavyweight champions. And then you got Overeem, who is probably the most competitive of the three right now. Yeah. And truthfully, my question for you, I'm going to answer it first, but I'm going to bring it back to you. Is going to be. Who do you want to see in this spot out of these three names or if there's another name you have in mind? But my answer is going to be Josh Barnett. Mm. I didn't think it would be. I really didn't. But I'm trying to think realistically and also what do I want to see? Alistair Overeem is probably – again, I said he is – out of these three guys, he is the most competitive Going at this today. point in their career but I but I think that that I actually think at this point in their careers a fight with Overeem would be pretty much I think it'd be a slaughter for Emilia I don't think he would be able to hang with Overeem I really oh really know. I really don't I mean Emilia how could you Emilia 44 years old I mean he's yeah. still a tough guy I know he's he, he beat like Rampage Jackson in his last fight but I mean it's a, it's a big step up from fighting, you know, an old washed Rampage Jackson and stuff like that to going to Alistair Overeem who was knocking on the door for another title shot, even though he kind of – I know he got beat up by Volkov, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a big step up. Could I be wrong in that assessment? Yes, but I think Milianenko in his career, especially once he left Pride, he was very meticulous about kind of the matchups he would take, um, especially once you're in Russia – yeah uh, it appears that a, there's a lot of people working behind him to try to get him the most winnable fights and that's not a slight on Fedor cuz at the end of the day he's winning these fights he's looking good I don't want to act like they're trying to pull any shenanigans I'm just thinking that Alistair Overham, I don't think is a the fight they're going to want right at the second however the Josh Barnett fight makes the most sense because these two have been scheduled to go at it multiple times in the past they were supposed to headline a Pride card um, never came to fruition. Then, do you remember when the the the, the clothing company Affliction had a short run yeah, uh, yeah. as an MMA promotion? I believe they ha- had two cards, and then their third card was supposed to be headlined by Fedor and Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett tested positive for steroids Ooh. about a week before, maybe less than that, and because of that, the event got shut down, and therefore their MMA promotion got shut down as a whole. That's tough. There is a lot of history between those two. And the fact that they've never fought before says a lot. And I think that now is the appropriate time. It looks like this is all signs seem to point. Fedor's retirement fight, Josh Barnett. I would be more than happy with that.
0: I do think that's the most realistic of the three. Even Josh Barnett calling him out on Twitter, which I didn't see from the others, at least Mm -hmm. as of today, recording on Sunday. So but uh, the one, if I had to choose, I would actually go Overeem. I just think that in terms of like the biggest named opponent, it would still be Overeem. Just signed that new deal with the glory kickboxing, still very much into competing in the world of MMA. I think that would still be relatively competitive. I don't know. I, I just feel like Fedor could maybe shock some people. Overeem still got plenty of gas left in the tank. We've seen him more recently as compared to JDS, who fought shortly before him. Barnett we've not seen in a while. So just in terms of fresher memory and the biggest name, biggest fight that Bellator could do, I would go Overeem. But I do agree that Barnett is probably the most realistic of the three.
1: Okay. no, I, I'd be excited really no matter who of the three it is, even if it's yeah. JDS or Overeem. Still, it's going to be a big fight. There's going to be a oh, lot. Yeah. A lot of pop, a lot of you know, uh, what do you call it? Like just a lot going into it because it's all the promotional
0: like, tools will yeah, be nuts for. Because this
1: is looking like Fedor's retirement fight. Um, so you know, I, I if Overeem gets put in that fight, though, I will be very intrigued to see how well Fedor at this point in his career can hold up. Because in, in my head, and I could be wrong about this, I look at it like a bit of a mismatch right now. Yeah, but. With that being said, we're going to transition. We'll come back to Bellator in a little bit, but we're going to transition to PFL six. Yes, sir. Friday evening, we're going to go over some of the winners and losers on that card, and the biggest winner has got to be the biggest gal, the best gal in PFL, Kayla Harrison, our neighbor, mean, man, our best, our neighbor. Friend. Yes,
0: true. <laughs>
1: she submits Cindy Dandois via armbar. Four minutes, 44 seconds of round number one. Dominic, we tried our best on Friday to give Cindy D'Angelo, you know, some credit, give her a chance. And, um, you know, I think we spent more time talking about Cindy D'Angelo's achievements than the fight actually lasted. This is so, probably <laughs> true. So what were your thoughts on this fight, if you have any anything new to really say? I mean, all I can say, Kayla Harris and Smash. Kayla
0: Smash, yeah. She's
1: going to win. I'm there's no doubt in my mind. She's going to win this tournament and next step has got to be one of the big promotions, whether it's Bellator UFC, actually hot take. I think it might be better for her if she goes to Bellator over the UFC right now.
0: Well, okay. Let's get into this. (laughs) So first off, Kayla looked amazing as usual. We Mm. kind of anticipated it as did the whole MMA community. No slouch in Dandois, but Kayla's just too much. The yep. judo expertise, she was standing and didn't even look for a takedown earlier. was striking. Dan shoots in for a takedown, gets stuffed. Big mistake there. Yeah. Was never able to get up after that. Kayla dominated. Gets the victory. Well, she's 10-0.
1: You know, we talked about on Friday how Dandois' biggest uh, skill coming in here judo. was her judo. She's yeah. a black belt, yeah. but she's and going up Kayla. against yeah. Kayla, two-time Olympic gold champion, right? Yes. So So,
0: eh. it's just, there's (laughs) levels, right? So I do agree with you. Kayla likely steals this, um, tournament, the grand prix then $1 million at the end of the year. Next fight's going to be August 27th. That's confirmed. Now she locked in the number two seed, uh, just because she didn't finish the fight soon enough in round one to get the number one seed. Not that that seeding (laughs) matters at all, Yeah. but, um, Should she finish and win this Grand Prix tournament, whatever they call it, she'll be 12-0 and at that point, another million dollars in the bank, and then it's like, okay, what do we do? What do we do with Kayla Harrison? Because here's the problem. She's a 155-pounder, naturally. She's huge. There's no other weight class like that in the prominent MMA organizations. Mm -hmm. However, she's made 145 successfully once and made her opponent look like she was just in a very bad car crash. So she's proven she can look good at 145. But you mentioned Bellator may be a better option. I believe that Bellator would be willing to build a division for Kayla Harrison. As opposed to the UFC, they are not going to start a 155-pound division because they're struggling enough just to keep 145 relevant. So I think Bellator is like a more – Realistic option, but if Kayla really wants to stick to her guns and prove she's the best in the world, I'm not going to be shocked if she does decide to bump down to 145, get her body right for it, and want to challenge Amanda come next year. But I mean, only time will tell. I'm curious to see what your thoughts are there.
1: Yeah, so my question for you, and I'll get into my thoughts, but question for you is: Do you think long term uh, her fighting at 145 is implausible? Like, do you just not see it as a long term option?
0: I don't because she's just she would have to make a lifestyle change because she is that physically just Mm. strong and built. Now, could she go down? I mean, we've seen Barboza was a natural 155-pounder for years, and he looks great at 145. So, I mean, maybe if she really wants to dedicate the time and effort and that's where she sees more longevity, more paychecks, more exposure with the UFC, by all means, I could see her doing it. But if she feels more comfortable and natural at 155, I don't doubt that Bellator would be willing to build around her. I really think it's possible.
1: Yeah, that's tough for me to answer that uh, in terms of would Bellator be willing to potentially start and then build a women's lightweight division around Kayla Harrison. I mean, it would probably be worth it, probably. But, again, you know, it would be built around her so, you know, if Kayla – isn't too isn't overly committed to bellator you know let's say she's signing small fight contracts that it's going to be hard for bellator to see the the plausibility in starting a division and trying to build it up so it all kind of depends on maybe contract status you know how committed is she going to be is it for the long term with her first contract or is she going to be like no let me sign a two fight deal win both of those, smash them and build up an even bigger name and then you're going to have to pay me more. Yeah, That kind of thing. Or I'm just going to go to the UFC or elsewhere.
0: That's why it is just kind of tough with Kayla being that lightweight fighter because <laughs> you don't see many women's lightweights. That's the only I, issue.
1: Truthfully, and I, and I again could be wrong about this, I do think 145 can be a plausible path mm-hmm. for her in the long term. I understand your sentiments because You know, we're people, we're guys on the outside looking in, right? We've never done this before, we've never had to cut the weight. So I it's easy for us to say it's just another 10 pounds, but that's a big difference. It's it's a big difference sometimes. And for Kayla, I guess for me, I was just surprised that she was able to do it so easily, it seemed, Uh the one time she did it. Now I know 155 might be more natural for her, but I think if she's looking to kind of move on, I think it has to be in her head. Yeah, she knows she's gonna have more likely than even having a division built for is going to be she's gonna become a featherweight in a featherweight division. And I think Bellator would be the better path of the two considering Bellator has more committed to their featherweight division of women with Chris Cyborg among others, Julia Buds in there, stuff like that. While the UFC look like they might be on the outs, you know. Yeah, they bring in one and done. If they they really wanted Kayla Harrison, you would think they would keep someone like Megan Anderson. That would be a great first fight for her. Yeah. But they didn't. So uh, I think Kayla, I don't think, I don't foresee Kayla in the UFC anytime soon, uh, maybe ever. But I think Bellator would be a perfect spot for her if she wanted to move on from the PFL, which I assume would be a plan. I was going to
0: say, needless to say, I believe that her contract's up at the end of the year. We don't see Kayla in the PFL in 2022.
1: That would be my guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Continuing on with winners and losers here, we have a couple losers to talk about. Unfortunate at that, you know, we spoke a lot about Anthony Pettis on Friday and how this was a must win for him. I think he put up a better fight against Ross Manfio. It was a really However, good fight. He still comes out. On the losing side of a split decision, I know there was some debate. Um, let me just put it. Let me paint the picture this way, you know, because I know you scored the fight for Manfio. Mm-hmm. Regardless who you scored the fight for, you know, if you scored the fight for Pettis or Manfio, let's say that Pettis won that fight, be a split decision. Let's say one of the other judges gave it to him, and he gets the nod. Would that have changed your outlook on his future prospects at PFL and in, in terms of professional MMA? Because for me, it wouldn't. Because ultimately, he still got beat up in the third round. Yeah, bad. He, I mean, that was the most decisive round. He's kind of had the two fights that have gone sort of similar for him, but in kind of the opposite way. The first yeah. fight, the third round was where he had his shining moment, his glimmer yeah. of hope. This fight, rounds one and two, he looks good. And then round three, he gets kind of pummeled. Yeah. So to me, it's just I think the the years of wars are kind of catching up to Anthony Pettis. I don't think he can withstand the kind of punishment he used to be able to. I mean, that guy's been in some wars. You look at his track record. I mean, it's a killer's row. And he's been a champion. You know, he's really gone through a gauntlet.
0: Yeah, he's got
1: 36 fights now, man. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's just becoming obvious to me he can't really take the punishment like he used to. I mean, he's not getting finished in these fights. That's that's something. But these are opponents that you would think Anthony Pettis should be able to beat even at this point in his career, and he's yep. just not. I just think maybe his age might not say say it, but the I think we years. are long, long past uh, his prime in terms of fight years. Yeah, And regardless of if this was a win or a loss for him, if, if I'm on Anthony Pettis' team or as an Anthony Pettis fan, whatever you want to say, I wouldn't feel too great coming out here in terms of maybe a push for a welterweight uh, tournament run next year and stuff. I just wouldn't feel great about it.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see what will be next. I don't know. Do we see him again at all in 2021? I mean, I doubt it considering he is officially eliminated from the playoffs. He didn't make the top four seed. Maybe he gets one more fight in on the outside if they do like undercard stuff. but. It's tough too. You got to think for the PFL; they bring in a big name and Anthony to be one of their other faces of the organization. Starts out as ten-year zero and two, and we've talked about the Verdum situation and even Rory's in some hiccups. And his last mm-hmm. fight was just odd. So it's tough for the PFL in that sense. It sucks if you're an Anthony Pettis fan. I mean, for God's sakes, we were scheduled to meet the guy in 2016. <laughs> Piss poor weather, dimmed our dreams yeah. there. But yep. he's just—he truly was a legendary fighter for such a short gap. And it's tough to see it now in, in a smaller organization as compared to the UFC. Owen 2 has some pretty convincing lost rounds where he nearly gets finished. To his credit, does survive, like you mentioned. So he mentioned when he first signed with PFL that he wants to do 155 this year, then do 170 in the following year. Will he still want to do it now? Maybe. But I just feel like the PFL's 170 division – is full of even worse matchups and obviously the bigger guys for Anthony Pettis. So I don't know, back to the drawing board. We'll see what comes next. I'll be curious to see what the PFL is interested in doing with him.
1: I mean, that's my thoughts. You got to think this, we were not just us, but the community as a whole looked at Anthony Pettis as a favorite to win this tournament. And he goes, zero and two, that's just a tough pill to swallow. Um, And that's going to continue into our other loser probably of the, of the night for PFL six, Lance Palmer. Yeah. The back to back featherweight champion uh, champion tournament winner, whatever you want to call it. Um, he loses a unanimous decision in a very good fight. Very competitive oh, yeah. bout with Movid Kable. Not to mention Lance Palmer had lost his previous fight to, I believe Bubba Jenkins. Bubba Jenkins. Yeah. And um, with that, he goes 0 2 missing out on the playoffs. So we will have a new, featherweight yeah. tournament winner for the first time. Now I think that's healthy for the PFL. You know, yeah. you want to create parody, right? You know, I, think, I, agree. I always think that's healthy in sports. However, for Lance Palmer to go zero and two, to not make the playoffs, do you think this is a, a um, just in term, maybe it's just that the, the divisions caught up with them. Maybe they've recruited more talented fighters for these tournaments or is Lance Palmer's style just not holding up? Um, is it bad matchups? What is it, Dom? What, are, what is it that has got us Lance Palmer falling so hard?
0: I'd say the talent pool, man. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a guy that was on top of the division for two years. But <laughs> MMA just continues to evolve, and the fighters uh, inside MMA continue to evolve. And that's what we're seeing here in the PFL. They've had great fights this year, very prominent prospects, good veterans, a good mix of everything, putting on great performances advancing into the playoffs stoppages submissions all that fun stuff and this was uh, another example of it here and Lance falls short it was a tough fight for him he not only had to win but he had to get a finish just to um, solidify himself in the playoffs so he was in a tough spot coming in and it was a fun three-round war but at the end of the day like you said Kubalayev looked really good and to get a big win for him over such a prominent name in Lance Palmer good on him advancing into the playoffs and. For Palmer, I'll be curious to see, because I have heard some rumblings in like our Overtime Oaks group chat and, uh, chat and other things on Twitter that he wasn't the happiest with the PFL. Why that may be, I don't know. Could it just be rumors? Of course. But maybe he's looking to potentially change organizations at the end of the year, too. He still is a good fighter. I believe that. Um, an Ohio boy as well. forgot mm-hmm. to mention that. Or we didn't talk about him on Friday, but from Columbus. So he just had a kid. He's a newly found father relatively young in the game still in his early 30s he reminds me of like volkanovsky when i see his statue of body and the way he moves around and his striking and stuff so we'll see does he stay in the pfl maybe maybe he tries his luck in a bellator type organization i'm curious to see but i do think he has plenty of gas left in the tank to make some uh good runs wherever he goes
1: yeah sure i think for him though his biggest problem in terms of uh going outside to PFL is I don't know if the money is really going to be there yeah. for him. You know, he's not really a big name. This season of the PFL has really picked up for their promotion. Oh yeah. But you know, when he was kind of dominating these tournaments the past couple of years, there was a lot less eyes on it than there are. At least it feels that way. There's, I a agree. Lot, there's a lot more people talking about the PFL. this There year, is. You know? It seems more exciting. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate for him. Plus he doesn't have the most fan friendliest of styles. So I don't know what kind of um, what kind of offer he's going to get out there that's going to really suffice him, considering he's going from winning million dollar tournaments so, to back, yeah, yeah, to potentially having to drop a little bit in terms of pay. But um, I do think that he has some legs left to him. I just think that uh, bad matchups. It's a combination of right. factors. Maybe you're right. He, if he's not been really happy, maybe it's just. Uh, Hard to get that motivation, whatever it might be. Um, I overall I think it's a good thing for the PFL that yeah, not necessarily that Palmer's out of the playoffs. I think that could have been still, you know, you don't want to see a guy just lose lose. Yeah. more fresh faces. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see what Bubba Jenkins does personally.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll good. see.
1: Good thought. Um moving on from there, we're gonna transition back to Bellator. We mentioned on Friday that we had Bellator heavyweights making history. Well, one did. Moldovsky <laughs> makes history. Valentin Moldovsky. He defeats Timothy Johnson via unanimous decision, becoming the first interim champion in Bellator history. Dominic, this fight, you know, on paper, you get a little nervous with the five round heavyweight yeah. main events, but I thought this fight was a little bit better than anticipated. And
0: yeah, bloody overall, mess, too.
1: Overall, Moldovsky, again, I, I spoke we I we kind of called this, and I want to give us a little bit of credit here. We said that he was the less proven commodity. You know, Tim Johnson been in there in the UFC. Yeah. He had a tougher resume in his Bellator fights, but Moldovsky just seemed like he had a higher ceiling at this point. Younger,
0: and fresher. Yeah. yeah. More and that showed.
1: It showed, I think. I agree. Thoughts?
0: It was a good five round back and forth. A lot more activity than I expected. A lot better of a fight than I anticipated. I think it was a pretty clear uh, for Moldovsky. I scored at four to one personally for him. I was also watching that on my laptop and PFL my TV, so I was kind of going back and forth. Yeah. But from what I saw, I scored at four to one. He looked good. Tim Johnson still looked good as well. Had his moments. A lot of dirty boxing in the clinch. Good distance strikes. Moldovsky kind of showed it all. He's six and zero now in Bellator, an interim gold belt around his waist, and now he just awaits the return of Ryan Bader next year. I'm excited to see that matchup.
1: Do you think uh, he gives Ryan Bader any troubles? Was there anything you saw here that would maybe make you think that uh, he could be competitive in a Ryan Bader matchup?
0: I think it's a pretty interesting stylistic matchup. I mean, Bader, again, down at 205 in the Grand Prix right now, still making a run to get his belt back potentially. But when he returns to heavyweight – He's, I still feel like Bader is a natural light heavyweight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he just stacks the weight on for so heavyweight. So he, feel,
1: he feels a little small. Yeah, but
0: for Moldovski, that dude, he's a heavyweight. So <laughs> I'm curious to see how that will go. I, I give him a chance in that one. I think it will actually be relatively competitive, especially we've seen Bader lose recently uh, his title down there at light heavyweight. Now, granted, he's trying to bounce back. I understand that. But still losing recently as compared to an undefeated Bellator fighter here. I think it will be fun next year.
1: Nice, and then in our co-main event, a very decisive win. The UFC veteran Liz Carmouche gets the TKO over Kana Watanabe, 35 seconds of round number one.
0: Wow. Could we have been?
1: Could we have been more off base in our Friday Man. preview? We didn't give Liz Carmouche any time. I was no. all about Watanabe. I thought she had looked I fantastic.
0: so. I mean, I mean she had looked
1: fantastic in the lead up. And then to go in there and she got smoked. yes. 35 seconds. Shout out to Liz
0: Carmouche. That's the way you make a statement. It's awesome, man. 37 years old. I mean, incredible.
1: We talked about how it was pretty much all but confirmed, maybe it even was confirmed, that this was the title eliminator for the winner of Juliana Velasquez and Denise Keyholtz, which is the headliner of the next Bellator card. The winner of that would fight the winner of this fight. But um, to go in there, Liz Carmouche, that is, and to put on that kind of statement. She locked no doubt. It up. No, no doubt. No
0: doubter right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't even yeah. get touched, man. She looked unbelievable. Sprinted right out of the freaking gate against Kana, backed her up against cage, smashed her. I mean, had her out on the feet. She's 3 and 0 in Bellator after finishing her UFC tenure, losing a title fight to Valentina. I mean, my God, man, again, 37 years old, Liz Carmouche, a legend of women's MMA, and to still be going out there and just demolishing an undefeated prospect like that, and Kana Watanabe, who's an incredible striker, a very good judo practitioner. Wow, man. Hats off to Liz Carmouche. I can't wait to see her fight for the Bellator Gold here, hopefully by the end of the year, depending on how that fight goes in July. That was a voice crack int- there. We're going
1: to skip over it. <laughs> Very intriguing matchups, no matter which woman wins that title fight. Coming oh, up, yeah. I think. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for the Bellator uh, recap, I guess, of Bellator 261. We transition into UFC on Vegas 30. Yes, sir. The two big boys at heavyweight, the technical true. boys, I will say. <laughs>
0: true,
1: true. The most technical heavyweight fight you're probably going to find in this current crop. Surreal a real god. Puts My on good. a showcase. He wins in decisive fashion a over Alexander Volkov via unanimous decision. You know, I was surprised, if I'm being honest. Even though I thought this fight on paper wasn't a sh- – I didn't think on paper it was some shutout or anything. Yeah. I was surprised by the amount of people online who were picking Volkov in this fight. Yeah. I was, was surprised. I think it was more for Volkov than gone coming in here. And I, and I know – there's factors that were in God's way, you know, his in ex- relative inexperience, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe just people not as aware of who high he on is. That last
0: fight either with Rosenstreich, yeah,
1: that's true. Volkov had more of a resume at this point in the UFC, but I don't know. I just thought God, I I really thought that this was God's fight to lose. To be honest, I mean, yeah, you know, Volkov is a very technical striker. He very much is kind of Ghan's strengths are – In some ways, Volkov's same strengths, you know, that distance control. Yeah. Very technical striking. However, I just felt Gons had been more impressive. You know, he he utilizes a lot of leg kicks. Um, He can even take the fight to the ground, and he looks very good there. His footwork
0: for a heavyweight is, oh, unbelievable. I really feel like
1: this was his fight to lose, and that's kind of what we saw here. Yeah. Almost swept the cards. There was one judge that scored at 49-46. I personally scored at 5-0. I did too. Yeah. what did you think here, uh, and what's next for Gon? more importantly?
0: Well, Cyril Gahn is the best all-around striker in the heavyweight division, and it's not up for debate, I don't no. think. As much as I love Stipe and Ngannou's the power guy, Derek loses the power guy, Volkov's a great striker, Cyril Ghan, the full package in terms of footwork, quickness, kicks, elbows, knees, clinch, everything this man can do, and he just started his professional career in 2018. That, that's scary to think about, it man.
1: And putting
0: Paris on the map. I mean, he's out there fighting out of France. This dude has the marketability behind him. He's well, very well respectful. Uh, he speaks fluent English as well as obviously French. This guy has everything about him to be a superstar. And this fight was the Rosenstreich times 10. The output from Gone was way better. The power shots were there. Just everything he did looked like that's what we thought we were going to get in Rosenstroke fight, but he delivered it here against a six foot seven tower of a man in Alexander Volkov's. He shut down any bit of offense that Volkov could offer. Anytime Volkov would land, he'd answer right back with a few more. I, I It was really a shutout performance for me. He truthfully, more than likely, just became a number one contender for a belt.
1: Thank you. I stand by that. Gone looked so good here, yeah. and I saw a lot of people kind of, um, you know, saying that this fight was boring, kind of comparing it to the Rosenstreich fight. Oh, it was so I, much better. I, I disagree. This yeah. fight was just so technical that I compared it a lot. It maybe it's probably even a better fight than the one I'm about to compare it to. But if you guys didn't like Stephen Thompson versus Darren Till, yeah, then maybe you won't like this. But I personally enjoyed that fight, so I enjoyed this one. Here's why, m- mostly. Even in the lulls and action, it always felt like these guys were just one strike, the perfect yep. strike away from ending it. And yep. that's what keeps me intrigued and in a lot of these fights. Even if the output's not crazy high and there's knockdowns and all that, when you have guys that are as good of strikers as these that are playing a game of chess, essentially – and you know, at any second, the right kick, the right punch can land, and it can really shut either one's lights out. Especially yeah. at their weight class, a heavyweight, um, it just kept me on the edge of my seat. It was I was, even though that that really never happened. Yeah, God still put on such a showcase that I I walked away feeling very pleased with this fight. Oh, yeah. Now, I want to continue with what you were saying about God. In my opinion. Should be next after Derek the winner of Derek Lewis Francis Ngannou. Whoever wins that fight, when it happens, right now looking like September, I think John should be the next title defense for either Ngannou or the first one for Lewis. Yeah, I know you got John Jones waiting out there. You got Stipe Miocic waiting out there. I personally don't see the UFC giving Stipe an immediate rematch at this. I, at this point, I just don't see it. I think he's. Even though there there is a trilogy fight to be made if Ngannou mm-hmm. wins, I just think that if they really wanted that fight, that Stepe would have probably gotten it
0: immediately. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And instead, we're going to Derek Lewis, and you know, I know for a while it was John Jones, whatever. So I don't think that fight's gonna happen. And a lot of people are pitching Stepe versus Gone on Twitter. I don't yeah. foresee Stepe to really take any other fight. And you guys yeah. can complain about that. We can complain about that. But let's be honest, Bay, at his point is his career, He has nothing left to prove. He can walk him. away. He can yeah. walk away. And honestly, we, I might prefer it if he did at this point. Like, you know, you can walk away. You can continue being a firefighter, being a dad, all that. Have a great life. Do you really need to beat Bengani with a second time? I mean, I'm sure it'd be great for his resume. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But I don't need to see it. And I don't think – and I just don't – see the timing working out for him like it did when he got that rematch with Cormier. That was a lot of luck Mm -hmm. and kind of a lot of just things kind of happened at the right time for him to get that rematch. Um, And then you got John Jones who has said he will not fight in 2021. He's waiting until 2022 at this point. And that's still up in the air because there have not been really any yeah, waves nothing. made in, on, in terms of contract negotiations for John or the UFC. So I think Gon is going to be the guy that's willing to take that fight for what the UFC offer it to him. And I think that whoever wins that title fight with Lewis and Iganu is going to want to stay relatively active. Yeah, We know Derek Lewis loves, loves him some money. He talks oh, about yeah. it all the time. He'll fight and, anybody. And, and Francis Nganu has said he wants to be an active champion. Yep. So I still I'm sure at some point John Jones will fight at heavyweight. But do I think he is the title fight after Lewis and Gone? No, Not I anymore. think I think Gon is now gonna be next. Yeah. I'm sure John I'm sure in the UFC's mind, if John accepts an offer, he gets it. But I don't think it's gonna happen by the time they're ready to run it with Gon or whoever. Gon's gonna be next in my opinion. I'm putting that in, marking it now. That's what's happening. Gon will be the next title fight after Derek Lewis and
0: Well, and I've really thought about every time that Gon steps into the octagon since he entered the UFC, he's six and zero now in the organization. He's very active for heavyweight too. When he steps into the octagon and each fight that progresses, you see him get better, and I just think every time that door locks. He's a future heavyweight champion. There is just an aura around this man and the skill set is there. So well rounded. I truthfully think. I don't know whether it's gonna be, you know, this next fight. Is he gonna become champ? Maybe. But I think one day this man is gonna have a UFC gold belt around his waist, man. I think he really mm-hmm. has it all. And to be so young in the game, <laughs> that's just terrifying for all the other heavyweights they're gonna have to fight this guy at some point.
1: Completely agree. I, I stand by this guy's a future champion. I think he's the toughest matchup for someone like Francis Ngannou. Don't get me wrong, Ngannou can totally win that fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One shot and it's over. But I think that uh, the mixture of skills that Gon possesses, the footwork, the technical striking, the ground game, I think it's uh, his size even. I think it's uh, a tough matchup for the current champ.
0: Okay. But
1: let's get into the rest of this card because hold on, hold on. there's – Oh, sorry. Quick question. Yeah. Real
0: quick, just for 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 our six foot seven behemoth and Alexander Volkov, what do you think? What do you think's maybe next for the guy? Yeah, he had to I, just do something.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it's beginning it's beginning to get more and more tough to matchmake for this guy because he's kind of on a win. He'll win one, he'll lose one, win one, lose one, and um, he's starting to really have fought a lot of this division. Yeah. Um, maybe he fights Jarzynia Rosenstreich. But I don't. I really don't have a name in mind. That's why I think I kind of was uh, skipping. Out. What do you? What do you think? I'm sure Sorry, you. you are'm sure you spot. have one. No, no, you're good. I just didn't really. I, I'm guessing you have somebody in mind.
0: Yeah. So with just the kind of top being kind of log jam right now, matchups are scheduled. Other things aren't scheduled. There's a lot of things up in the air. We do have one man that is surging, Marcin Tybura. We have a behemoth, six foot seven giant taking on one of the shorter heavyweights in Marcin Tybura, but he's on a bit of a roll right now, maybe earn his way into that top five. That's kind of just what I had in mind, so I just had to It's a little bit more
1: matchmaking. I, I do like that. I like that. I like Tybura. I've been liking the run he's on. He's kind of proven That's a really wrong. big
0: test for him, too.
1: Yeah, that's a huge test. I mean, really, I know that Volkov's, you know, had his setbacks – you know, again, his record's better than I I thought it was in the UFC. You brought that up. Yeah. What is he? Seven and three now. Seven and three now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's got three losses in UFC and pretty high profile matchups, but he's always going to be one of the tougher matchups for anybody in this division. His size, his striking. Did you notice know how just,
0: much physically more strong he was too? I was.
1: Yeah, I should have brought. I should have said something about that. I noticed they they put pictures out before yeah. the. The fight, the card, and I saw him in his like in his gear, and I was yeah. like, it was what so the noticeable." I was like, "He looks huge."
0: He weighed in at two sixty five, the limit, and yeah. he came out. I was like, "Damn, it's very noticeable." So we'll see how that goes for him in the future too.
1: Yeah, but uh, let's get into the rest of this card because Dom, this card really delivered. You it know? was not a great a, fight night. Yeah. Not a you know amazing card on paper, but as we've said time and time again these cards aren't made on paper they're made in the octagon and very true the, the prelims especially just yeah. kind of and what i think the big takeaway for me on the rest of this card is going to be is that not so many of these these fights it was like perfect because these fights were competitive they were back and forth but ultimately there was a decisive win. Yes. Yeah. Finishes galore, but it wasn't just one-sided beatdowns. It was back and forth. Yeah. Um, some of the fights I want to talk about here, we'll start on the main card and work our way down. Fight of the night It's probably going to be the, the fight that was the closest, so not really going into what I just said. Also a fight that went to a decision. Timur, Valiev, and Hayoni Barcelos. Really good a fight. great fight. Now, I'm curious because this ended up being a majority decision. One judge scored it a draw. Were you surprised that Valiev got the nod?
0: No. I I thought he had one two to one. Uh, Marcellus, I believe it was round two where he looked really good, if I'm not he mistaken. Dropped,
1: he dropped Valiev twice. But
0: uh, a 10-8 round was crazy to me. I couldn't believe there was a draw scored by one of the judges. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was a 10-8. It was very fun and back and forth. I know we didn't talk about it on Friday, but it's hard when we're nitpicking from multiple cards. we got to yeah. just fit some stuff in. I knew this was going to be a banger. Barcelos is a guy that had a ton of hype going into this one, and then uh, for his opponent there in vileyev his biggest win over a surging prospect there. So that was really the battle of prospects. Good on him for getting the nod, the 50K bonus as well. He said he's going to buy his mom a house with it, which is awesome. So a uh, shout-out to Vailyev. I'm excited to see what next. What is next? It was a, a very good back-and-forth three-round war.
1: Speaks to the talent of that men's bantamweight division. Yeah, and these, I mean, Neither of these guys were ranked coming in here. he got one of the most technical bouts um, you'll see. And, you know, Barcelos, man, even though he lost the decision, comes out looking great. I mean, he put it on Bally, oh. at the end of that second round. And, I mean, ultimately that kind of stole the round. That's why I wouldn't have scored it a 10-8. Yeah. Because valiev looked like he was winning the majority of that round. and Then Barcelos knocks him down not once but twice. Yeah. Um, really had him hurt. Um, I was not watching – like I was watching the fight, but I wasn't scoring the fight. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. watching that closely. Yeah. So I was actually surprised when the judges' scorecards got ran off because I thought Barcelos won. Because rounds one and three in my head, like when I was watching, I thought we were just very close. Yeah. And then round two, I thought was a clear Barcelos yeah. round. He two, had the one but, clear round. But it appeared, yeah. according to most of the voices I've heard talk about this fight, that Valiev won according to the way we judge fights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this isn't pride. So, yeah. Barcelos <laughs> Yeah. However, uh, we're going to move into another fight on the main card. This one, a big disappointment.
0: Oh, man.
1: Andre Feely and Daniel Pineda, the fight that we had spent so much time talking about, ends in a no contest due to an eye poke. And Andre Feely, the best he's ever oh, looked. Wow. Man. But he Pineda, good. Pineda being able to withstand the punishment. Dude, I when mean, he
0: ate that shin to the head, that cutting. This dude's made out of pure he like metal
1: two he with like two he, leg kicks to the it head. It's Crazy. Meanwhile, he's t- I mean, okay, we, we I've said about Pineda before his striking defense ain't there. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this fight, hit. and this fight was even more so. Feely was precise. He was yeah. landing at a very efficient rate, and it was hurting Pineda. but he wasn't going out. Pineda also landing a lot of underrated calf kicks. Uh, the commentary team was making note of him, but I think that that left leg of Feely was near immobile. Yeah. So going into that second round, most people were looking at this fight even now and say, well, that was a one-sided beatdown for Feely. Maybe. A more late kicks. But no. I'm just saying, man, if that that was anybody's fight in that second round. And this fight was really looking like it might live up to kind of what we were saying. But Andre Feely looked fantastic. What did you think here? I know you, you really don't. Dug- dove deep into these two prior for your articles. So what were your thoughts?
0: It it lived up to it for the short time we got it. It's so unfortunate for both guys because Pineda was withstanding the punishment and is always willing to take one to give one back, and that's what he was doing. The leg kicks were really starting to take a factor. Feely, the best performance, 1 million percent of his career, he really looked like he was coming into his all-out prime in that bout. The wrestling even when it happened was great striking was so clean and precise, his movement, everything. Feely looked incredible. And to get a no contest like that, when Pineda was trying and trying, the referee was holding up fingers, and he was literally straight up guessing. Unfortunately, he guessed wrong, so he couldn't see him. The eye poke hindered him too much. Honestly, they'll probably run it back because I know it seemed one-sided, but that's such a fan-friendly fight. Why wouldn't you want to at least try and get a decisive victor out of that I think it's still a huge fight. It's still a main card bout. I, I'd be completely okay with them running it back. And, you know, for all we know, Pineda could come out and make adjustments and beat Feely. I mean, that really is the type of stylistic fight that those two have against each other. You just, it's a toss up nine out of 10 times. You just don't know who's going to win.
1: Not to mention the leg kicks of Pineda were really affecting yeah. Feely to the point where maybe a couple more and Feely's looking like, Um, our man Jimmy Crew when he fought Anthony Smith, and you know, that ends a fight right there. I mean, that's how close it was in my eyes to like, even though Feely was definitely like getting the better. (laughs) How do I want to word this? He was piecing up Pineda on the feet, but to me, it was anybody's fight still just because Pineda wouldn't go away. Yeah. I mean, he just kept coming and he was throwing hard kicks, and um, Yeah, it was a great fight for as long as it lasted. It was wild just to see Pineda take that kind of punishment. So unfortunate. Uh, I'm not going to be upset if they run it back just for that reason, but even more so because I want to see a uh, clear, I guess, decisive winner. A lot of people, though, were kind of saying that Feely maybe did enough to really have the UFC treat him like a winner here and move on. Uh, I don't really agree with that based on what I just said about the leg kicks. I think they're still – uh, room to maybe even come out and look even better you know yeah yeah so uh, as good as he did uh just gonna touch on some more fights from the prelims uh kennedy and chukwu
0: he does it again
1: again
0: man this he man gets beat up for two rounds and then it comes out in the third and whips your ass
1: he had a fight with uh danilo Marquise, Mar- Marquez. mark marquez Marquis. I, I don't know how to pronounce One it. One of the two, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for the majority of two rounds, Danilo had Kennedy's back, threatening, Had I mean, had him in the body triangle, all this. Kennedy had and, no answers. And then at the end of the second round, all of a sudden, Kennedy's able to get out of it. Yeah. and just starts – I mean, and he did this against Carlos Olberg. This is yep. the, the guy, the 5-0 and o, uh, fighter out of, I think, Australia who was – Apparently a big name to look out for, where yeah. he just started walking him down, and like his his opponent in this case Danilo is like throwing punches at him, but Kennedy's literally just like eating them and just not he even just kept they don't, didn't even phase him. Yeah, and he's throwing just I mean he, he's overwhelming. He's wilting his opponent. Crazy. And then Danilo gets through to second, third round. Kennedy comes out and does the same thing. Twenty finishes seconds. The fight in twenty seconds. <laughs>
0: Crazy. Well, that fight does against again. Olberg that you mentioned, they put this on the broadcast, so I had to mention I might get the number specific off, but in that fight against Olberg, was getting whooped for two rounds. Going into that third round before the finish, he was down in strikes by 67. He had been outlanded. And then went out there and destroyed Olberg, gets a bonus. Then he does it again here. I mean, hey, he's three and one now in the UFC. Another one of the Nigerian-born fighters. Mm-hmm. I just want to see a complete three-round performance out of the guy. I, at this I'm to I say, know he I, can finish fights.
1: I'm excited. It's exciting. I know we all want to like you know. – don't get me wrong. If this guy does this all the way to a title fight, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to say anything. But I just want to see him come out and look at yeah. round one like he keeps looking in round three. Exactly. Um, also a fight we talked about on Friday, Shavkat Rachmanov. Oh, boy. He goes up against the male – Jessica Andrage, Michelle Prezeras, and he gets the rear naked choke in round two. Talk mm. about a fighter who Dominance. just at, by the end didn't want to be in there. Michelle Prezeras, no disrespect. It just, I mean, Rachmanov just had, Prezeris had nothing for him.
0: Rachmanov I mean, looked like he was two weight classes up, by the way, too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the
1: size difference was incredible yeah. to watch. I mean, it was like watching Stefan Struve and Demetrius Johnson, (laughs) I think is what you said. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I mean, shout out to Rachmanov. He passes the test. This guy, I'm I'm ready to see him get top 15 opponents here soon.
0: I I Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they do it next. He's 14-0, all 14 wins by finish. I mean, come on. Yeah,
1: very impressive stuff from him. Also, Jeremiah Wells making Ooh. his UFC debut, correct? Welcome.
0: Welcome to the UFC.
1: And he goes up against Worley Alves, who was coming off a great win over another prospect in Munir Lazez, knocked him out. Warley Alves. also being
0: Colby Covington. Colby the Covington. <laughs> there you
1: go. And Jeremiah Wells, after Alves threatened with a submission in the first round, a very competitive first round that I, I, I don't remember, but I probably would have scored for Alves. Yeah. Wells comes out in the second, puts Ooh. him to sleep. That dude's got Nasty power. stuff. Nasty stuff. So what an entry for Jeremiah Wells. Looking Trains forward with to Paul Felder, too. Yeah, looking forward to see what's next for him. That's a huge win in your debut.
0: Oh, yeah, man.
1: And then uh, kind of the last fight to talk about here, Julia Avila.
0: Raging Panda.
1: A star-making type performance here. Really was. Julia Stulia-Ranko. Uh, Avila gets the rear naked choke in round three, four minutes, 19 seconds in. Afterwards, Avila, very emotional. She hugs Daniel Cormier. Yeah. Um, man, hearing her talk, like this was almost the second time it brought like after the Moreno brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, Avila almost did it. Talked about someone who came from nothing. She said she was eating out of garbage cans growing up. And this and she was able to get, I believe she's college educated, even was able to get scholarships, she said, and then it somehow made her way into the UFC and is a you know. Now she's, uh, I believe she's 3-1 and in the UFC. Yeah, well, she had Uh, just
0: got kicked out of her gym last year, opened up her own gym with her husband. I mean, what a story for her. And, by the way, a badass nickname, Raging Panda. Come on. And she fights (laughs) like one, I must add. What a beast.
1: Now she is a name that I am not going to forget. After that performance, not only in the cage, but out the post-fight interview, she made a star out of herself, in my opinion. I don't know, like... When I say star, I'm saying it loosely here. I mean, like, she has become a name that I think a lot of people are going to be glued to the screen when she's on now. That's a good so way to put it. That's a, that's a good good base for her if she continues to keep winning. She can grow this into something big. Yeah. Uh, but uh, very impressive, I think. And um, Yeah, there was more we could have went into on the rest here. Marcin Procnio with the, the body <laughs> kick over uh, Hurricane Ike Villanueva. That hurt me. Dude. Both guys coming in here with like not great UFC records, really both still on the hot seat, even. Um, and then Proctio able to just boom with the body Dude. kicks, man. I mean, it was so loud. The yeah, one that hey, put Villanueva away, coaches
0: literally said, Switch southpaw, immediately flips, hits the body kick, fight over it. Wow. I mean, it was crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, even we didn't talk about the co main event, but Tanner Bozer. Shout out to him for getting a big KO win. He's not getting cut
0: now.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just going to throw out there, OSP did not. Mm-hmm. Oof.
0: That's two times. Heavyweight OSP just ain't for me. We, he's he, a 205-er, man. This
1: time was different, in my opinion, though. Even, just the whole though.
0: performance wasn't just the usual.
1: didn't look like he was there, you know, yeah. mentally just checked out. Maybe and just Tanner
0: left. looked like he had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah,
1: so, you know, shout out to Tanner Bowser. I know there was some controversy with the uh, – Potential fence grab. I think it's obvious. He didn't grab that this. It wasn't a, a fence grab. I can see why. I mean, it looked that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. But when you see the replay with the angle, it's not a fence grab. But yeah. I still uh, – hopefully enough people have seen that, so it's not really much controversy anymore. Right. Uh, anything else from this card for you, Dom, that you want to talk about? I think that pretty much takes up everything.
0: It's on to the next.
1: Yeah. So um, – Kind of what's coming up this week? We do have a bit of a lull in our MMA content, just because um, no promotions are really having cards this week. Fourth of I feel July like, weekend, I guess. Like so. uh, which I understand that maybe it's just a ratings lull, even like maybe yeah. not a lot of people watching TV because fireworks and like you know, like grilling out all that. But yeah. I felt like this was a. I feel like this should have been an opportunity for one of these promotions to step up and put a card Could on have, UFC on a not, card, Yeah. Yeah, like just throw a card on there that you don't have competition this week. But nobody decided they wanted to put a card on. So we're still kind of t- TBD if we'll have a Friday episode, just depending on if there's a lot of news. If there's a bunch week. of stuff
0: that comes out this yeah, week. Then, yeah, then
1: we'll do it. But it, as of now, it's not looking like it, but we'll see. Um, Wednesday, though, we will have an episode. So it will be a two episode week. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what that episode's going to be quite yet, but another special episode. Um, you know, what kind of falls in line there. So be on the lookout for one of those. And uh, yeah, we'll probably let you know by then if we'll be doing a Friday episode or not.
0: And Noah, but, Hey, I just got to add real quick. Yeah. The next time we're breaking down a UFC card, it's Connor McGregor and Dustin Poirier three. Mm-hmm. Just everybody get ready, get buckled in. If you're not subscribed, subscribe. If you're not liking, following, get going on it because uh, it's coming.
1: Yeah, why don't you tell the people, Dom, where, where they, they can-, can do
0: all that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at deesley 14 Lots of good content over there. But more importantly, if you don't want to follow my ass, you can follow <laughs> both of our asses at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast, continuing to build the community, really starting to interact a lot more with you guys on Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. If you got suggestions, shoot us over there on social media or just – Vote on our polls. We do all kinds of fun stuff. We're starting to uh, whip it out more and more. So uh, follow us there. And, Noah, take us away.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at ntbaker underscore. If you go to my bio on those, there is a link to our link tree. It has all the platforms that the podcast is on. So if you want to follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you can do it there. Uh, There's a link to the YouTube channel so you can subscribe to us if you're not already. Um, There's also a couple links for our anchor page. If you want to leave a voice message, you can do it there. Let us know your thoughts on the McGregor-Poirier trilogy fight, who's going to win, along with maybe who's going to win the Stephen Thompson-Gilbert Burns fight if you're interested in that. Let us know about that one too. Um, Also, there's a link on there if you want to donate to the podcast. Uh, Just money that's all going to go back into improving the quality of the podcast. So uh, if you're willing, the link is there. But with that, we're out. We're going to see you all on Wednesday.